everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and in case you are brand new to the show, this show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering, where I like to talk and discuss deck techs, um, magic news, the crazy happenings in Magic the Gathering, um, as well as bring on guests from content creators to guests uh, to pro players and cosplayers and many, many more. So before we begin, let's get some announcements out of the way. As this episode is coming out, I am currently at Grand Prix Orlando um, from August 10th through the 12th, and then going to be at Grand Prix Atlanta from November 2nd through the 4th. And then, yeah, that is it. I'm trying. I'm also trying to figure out my schedule for next year if I'm going to go to any Grand Prix. Um, I really want to try to go to Grand Prix Seattle. I just got to figure out dates and get money and all that stuff. Um, because <laughs> that one's going to be pretty pretty expensive because flying to Dallas was so cheap uh, oh my god it was so cheap it was I spent like a hundred bucks to fly to Dallas and then I'm looking at flights for Seattle and I'm like it's a little bit more than a hundred dollars oh man so probably got to save up now because we're Grand Prix Atlanta I'm just going to drive up there it's only like an eight hour drive not bad at all and I'll just be listening to podcasts and talking to myself the entire time but um anyways so, Magic Zuby can be found on the following iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. We are on Facebook.com slash Magic with Zuby, on Twitter at Magic with Zuby, on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby. Uh, you can email me with any questions or comments you may have at mtgzuby at gmail.com. And there's probably more than I'm completely forgetting. And yeah. I'm drawing a blank here. There, there probably is more, but let's get some ads out of the way. Jazzy, what does the calculator say about the shipping costs? It's over $9. What? $9? There's no way that could be right. At LegitMTG.com, we don't charge shipping for any order over $2 or more. We're not like those other guys who make you spend an arm and a leg to get free shipping. Come on down to LegitMTG.com for all your magic needs and be sure to get that free shipping special. That's LegitMTG.com. Visit today. Man, I wish there were others who liked retro video games like me. Did I hear someone say retro video games? I heard it too, Matt! Well, if you're a fan of retro video games as well as gaming in general, you need to listen to the VCR Gaming Podcast. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Oh god, my house! Alright, so before we get into some of the main topics here, I just want to talk about something really quick just for a little bit here. And that is my two favorite games are colliding. And that's Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. They're finally colliding together. Now, I will say when they first announced it, my hopes for a Dragonlance world or a supplement just were completely crushed. But I'll take what I can get, right? Because... If you know me, I love Dragonlance. I've got so many of the books. I've got, I think I've got the entire series on my Kindle, at least what I can get 
that's on the Kindle, and then plus some stuff that I found off off the side of the road on my Kindle. I don't know what you're talking about. It was just here the entire time. Um, so they are releasing uh, with the Guilds of Ravnica set coming out in the fall. They are also going to be releasing come November twentieth the Guild Master's Guide to Ravnica. So you as a DM can now run some campaigns in the city and plain of Ravnica, and this is the description of it and I will try to do my best DM voice for it a perpetual haze of dreary rain hangs over the spires of Ravnica bundled against whether the cosmopolitan citizens and all their fantastic diversity go about their daily business and bustling markets and shadowy back alleys alleys they already fucked it up through it all, ten guilds, crime syndicates, scientific institutions, church hierarchies, military forces, ju- judicial courts, buzzing swarms, and rampaging gangs vie for power, wealth, and influence. These guilds are the foundation of the power of Rav- on Ravnica. They have existed for millennia, and each one has its own identity and civic function, its own diverse collection of races and creatures, and its own sub its own distinct subculture. Their history is a web of wars, intrigue, and political machinations as they have vied for control of the plane. Ooh, sounds interesting. So it is going to be coming out for forty nine ninety five. I want to get a I want to get a copy of this and just read through it. Um, that's one thing I like to really do. I do collect a lot of the um, supplement and campaign books for D anD D, even though I may not run those campaigns. I like to read them and just it'll really help me get some ideas for stuff that I can sort of take from a book and implement in my own campaign. Right. Uh, so some of the other stuff they are releasing for this are some, they are releasing, uh, Oh, maps and they, they call it maps and miscellany, uh, guilds master guide to Ravnica. So that you're going to have some maps of the world too. Is this the first time that Ravnica is going to be actually mapped out? Like how Dominarian dominaria was um that'll be really interesting to see i'll definitely be interested in at least seeing a picture of the map um and they are releasing some specific dice for guilds master guide to ravnica so maybe some other people can clear this up for me now and i guess i can understand from a magic point of view because we like our foils and different kind of promos and all that stuff but i guess i don't understand the like the little subculture around having these special dice and all that stuff. And I guess, I guess it makes sense if you look at it from like how magic players look at foils and different kind of arts, I guess I can understand it from there, but I've never been one. Like I have so many freaking dice, right? But I don't care what kind I use as long as I have the dice I need for the game that I'm playing. Right. Um, so I, I guess I've never been a fan of getting specialty dice or anything like that. Hey, people who like it cool, but I guess I don't understand the appeal of it. Um, just had to bring that out there cause I've always found it weird, but then again, I do play magic and it's not weird to spend two, 300 bucks on a single freaking piece of card. Probably D and D players when they, when they spend 50 bucks on a set of dice, I'm like, that's, that's kind of dumb. And then they, then I go and happily spend $300 on a single piece of cardboard and they're probably thinking, well, that's dumb. <laughs> I don't know, whatever, I just had to bring it up. But anyways, so they are also making some Ravnica minis as well too. Um, And some of those minis will include uh, Night Vale Spectre, Niv Mezzet, the Death Pack Angel, Gruul Anarch, and Boros Reckoner. Ooh, I definitely need to get me some Boros Reckoner um, and Niv Mezzet as well too. So that's going to be cool um, that they're going to be releasing some miniatures. I, I... it's cool. I hope to see more of this kind of um, crossover between Magic and D&D. Because 
a lot of magic players play D&D and a lot of D&D players play magic. And the more you combine the two, I mean, it's perfect. Why not? I would have loved to see a Dominaria a guild master's guide to dominaria more than ravnica to be honest but ravnica i think has become more popular as time has gone on because ravnica is really popular with the newer players of magic and nothing's wrong with that and i just hope they sort of continue on this line of magic and D. and also how awesome would it be to see a D plane as a magic expansion right like the gate watch goes and explores um the Forgotten Realms or Dragonlance, a Dragonlance set. Oh my God. Can you imagine that? Freaking, I would just go insane. Or even an Eberron or um, the Planescape set. I, most likely they would go with Forgotten Realms if I had to guess, if they ever did a crossover. But oh my God, I, I would love to see Dragonlance though. But yeah, I just thought I'd want to bring that up because it is a really cool thing they're doing and I'm excited for the book. Hey, yo, Wizards, if you're listening, you want to send me a copy? No, nah, I mean, I'm going to be buying it regardless. I need to actually pre-order it. Um, but yeah, I am excited for this and can't wait for it to come out. November 20th is when it's coming out here. All right. Hey, everybody. And today we are going to be going over a new standard deck tech that I've been playing since Dominaria, and I did one little change for M19, but I made a mention of it on Twitter, and some people were like, oh my gosh, do a deck tech now. I, I want a deck tech. Um, and the deck today is going to be Esper Lich Mastery Control. Um, this idea was originally spurred on by someone I met at Grand Prix Dallas back in May, who was doing a Mardu Lich Mastery Control, and then eventually did switch it to Esper, and this is sort of my take on it as well um, a lot of the ideas were brought on by blue white control but i really like the card lich's mastery and just how um sneaky and especially confusing it can be to a lot of players who aren't used to playing against that card so i guess let's get on with the deck tech and let's talk about the first card um the whole the card that the whole deck is built around and that's lich's mastery if you don't remember what it is, it is a 3 and 3 black legendary enchantment, has hexproof, and it states, You can't lose the game. Whenever you gain life, draw that many cards. Whenever you lose life, for each one life you lost, exile a permanent you control or a card from your hand or graveyard. When Lich's Mastery leaves the battlefield, you lose the game. So, sounds pretty awesome and has a pretty big drawback, right? So, the point of the whole deck is obviously it plays like a very common control deck. You've got your spot removal, you got your board wipes, um, you got your planeswalkers that you want to get out to, you know, sort of slow things down, right? Your whole point is to build up until you get Lich's Mastery out, and then you just start drawing cards like insane. So whenever you gain life, you draw that many cards. There are cards in here that help you gain two life, seven life, and six life, and you can just draw that many cards. It feels so good to play Renewed Faith that especially without cycling it you gain six life and you draw six cards that that feels so good um the downside to lich's mastery is though whenever you're taking damage you are going to be losing that life but on the other hand if you're if you say you get hit for five damage you have to exile five permanents whether in your hand graveyard or on the battlefield and sometimes that can feel a little bad 
Um, with the cycling in this deck, uh, there is a good chance that your graveyard should hopefully be a little bit filled up a little bit. And there are ways that we can get your graveyard to be a little bit more of a resource for when you're taking a lot of damage from Lich's Mastery. But we hope we don't get to that point, right, that we're taking a lot of damage. Um, just straight off the bat, this deck doesn't do well against aggro decks, especially if you're not able to get your sweepers out and control the game, obviously like most control decks. Um, and that's where cards like Settle the Wreckage or Fumigate will come in, and we'll go over those in a little bit. But like I said, the, the whole deck revolves around Lich's Mastery and it's it's a really good card and it confuses people and it it really throws them off it's the many times that i played this deck a lot of people are just like i don't know what you're playing here i don't know what you're playing but um yeah so you're gonna see a little bit more as to why we're playing lich's mastery here um the other enchantment we have in our deck here we've got four copies of cast out which is three and a white enchantment has flash when cast out enters the battlefield exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until cast out leaves the battlefield obviously we'd rather be casting that at full cost to exile something that is pretty scary whether that be another enchantment or a permanent or a planeswalker what have you right but it also has the cycling cost of one white where you discard a card and draw a card sometimes you're going to need that cycling because you're just not drawing into your board sweepers your planeswalkers or even your small amount of creatures that you may have here um, so that's it for enchantments it runs six enchantments main board um, artifacts we've got two artifacts and they're both the thematic compass it is a two casting artifact you can pay when you have the artifact out, you pay three, you tap it, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. At the beginning of your end step, if you control seven or more lands, transform thematic compass. So the transforming part is what you're going to want more. The The searching for the lands really does help if you're especially low on lands and you're just not drawing any. Um, this deck does run 26 lands. We'll go over the mana base in a few minutes here. But when it flips, thematic compass becomes Spires of Orzakah. Uh, you can tap to add one colorless to your mana pool, but the, the key to this card is you can also tap it to untap target attacking creature and opponent controls and remove it from combat. So a maze of if effect. Um, that has saved my butt many times, especially when you're playing something against like green black counters, right? And they have a really big Ver Verdius Gear Hulk. I'm probably messing up that name. And you know, for whatever reason, they've got three whiny constrictors out. Verdi's Gear Hulk comes in, and oh my gosh, you're looking at like a 12 12 at that point. And you're just going to your thinking to yourself, oh my gosh. Um, and they go and swing an attack, but you're like, I've got Spires of Warzaka, so no problem. Mm, you remove it from combat. It does help you. It does help you. So definitely worth it, especially for helping you search for lands and thinning out your deck, but the, the flip effect is definitely where this card shines. Um, let's go over to sorceries here. Uh, we've got two Fumigate in the deck. Fumigate is a three and double white sorcery. Destroy all creatures. You gain one life for each creature destroyed that way. So however many creatures they have out, you'll gain that much life. And if you have Lich's Mastery out at that point, you're going to draw that many cards as well too. Um, really good sweeper. I'm going to be sad to see it go. And... What else can you really say? It's a five mana sweeper and it has the bonus of gaining you life, which does help you with Lich's Mastery. Um, so we also do have two copies of Approach of the Second Sun. Yes, 
This is also an approach deck, but it is not the main win con. It is a it is a win con of the deck. It's a very good win con of the deck. So Approach of the Second Sun is a six and one white sorcery. If Approach of the Second Sun was cast from your hand and you've cast another spell named Approach of the Second Sun this game, you win the game. Otherwise, put Approach of the Second Sun into its owner's library, seventh from the top, and you gain seven life. So you have Lich's Mastery out. And next turn, you cast Approach of the Second Sun. Approach of the Second Sun resolves, and you put that card 7th from the top, and then you're also gaining 7 life, then triggering off Lich's Mastery, allowing you to draw 7 cards. So you draw that Approach again. Um, so you, you essentially have Approach in your hand as soon as you cast it. And most, if your opponent can't kill you that next turn, make you exile that many cards, because most likely you're going to be putting a lot of those cards that you just drew into your graveyard for fodder to help you out with Lich's Mastery, right? So, <laughs> this can hands down win you the game. Sometimes opponents will just scoop and not even worry about the next turn, unless they're a control deck themselves and they've got counters. Obviously, you're going to have to play around those as well. So you've got four sorceries here, two Approach of the Second Sun, two Fumigate, and then we're going to go into our instance here. We've got two Disallow, one in double blue, instant counter target spell, activated ability or triggered ability, mana abilities can't be targeted, uh, your best counter spell in standard right now, sad it's going away. Uh, we got three Fatal Push, uh, one black instant, destroy target creature if it has converted mana cost two or less. Also, the Revolt, destroy that creature if it has converted mana cost four or less, and said if a permanent you control left the battlefield this turn. So we do have ways to trigger Revolt here, and I will get into that in a little bit when we go over our mana base here. Um, we do have four Renewed Faith, which is two and a white instant. You gain six life. You can also cycle it for one and a white. When you cycle Renewed Faith, you may gain two life. So in the beginning of the game, you may be cycling Renewed Faith if you don't have Lich's Mastery out, you know, just to help you gain some life and draw a card, right? It feels so good when you have Lich's Mastery out and then you cast Renewed Faith for its full cost and you gain six life and draw six cards. I can't tell you how good that feels, especially as a control player and a blue player. Uh, even though this deck doesn't have a lot of blue, um, it feels so good uh, for that. And a lot of times your opponent, especially if you don't have Lich's Mastery out yet and you cycle Renewed Faith, a lot of times they're going to be like, what are you playing? I don't understand what this contraption is that you're playing here. Um, we do have two Settle the Wreckage, uh, two and two white instant exile all attacking creatures target player controls. That player may search his or her library for that many basic land cards, put those cards onto the battlefield tap, then shuffle his or her library. Um, what can I say about that sweeper? You know, obviously a lot of people now know um, if they're swinging all in and you've got four mana open, especially two white so mana sources, they're going to be like, oh no, is this a sweeper or not? But you're going to want to goad them on anyway. Um, let them attack all in and then just play settle the wreckage. Yes, it is, especially if they're a kind of deck that can easily build up their board again. Um, it is going to slow things down, obviously, but it will also help them gain mana, which is a drawback to it. It will help them thin out their deck, but you need it. it it's worth it. You can't live without this kind of card in this control deck. Um, and then last for the instance, we've got two Vraska's Contempt, two and two black instant exile target creature planeswalker. You gain two life. A uh, really good spot removal for those really big and pesky creatures and planeswalkers. And gaining the two life, if you have Lich's Mastery out, you draw two cards as well too. Um, so that is it for the instance. We've got 13 instants there. Now we get on to my favorite part, the planeswalkers. 
Uh, I run two Gideon of the Trials. If you don't remember what Gideon Trials does, he's one and two white Planeswalker. He ha- comes with three loyalty counters. His plus one until your next turn prevent all damage target permanent would deal. Uh, really good for, once again, maybe you've got a pesky creature that, uh, like Walking Ballista, right? Um, you're going to want to target Walking Ballista so he doesn't deal damage to you or just start popping you off one after the other, just getting rid of his counters. Um, his second ability uh, is a zero ability until end of turn Gideon Trials becomes a 4-4 human soldier creature with indestructible that will that's still a planeswalker prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn so he is also your beater card right he's not only your good control card for preventing damage from a certain permanent but he's a good beater and especially if you're doing good spot removal or wiping the opponent's board um what can I say about Gideon he's just too, he's too good. And then his last ability is a zero ability. You get an emblem with as long as you control a Gideon Planeswalker, you can't lose the game and your opponents can't win the game. So this is sort of like a secondary type Lich's Mastery effect. So th- this is a sort of a game that I had. Um, I had Lich's Mastery out, but the opponent was doing a lot of damage to me, not focusing on my Gideon Planeswalker. And I was having to, um, you know, take cards out, but you know, take cards out of my graveyard and then also start sacrificing my lands. So I also emblem my Gideon as well because that's sort of a secondary I can't lose effect in case I was able to draw out a sweeper or approach while I'm getting pummeled for like five, six damage a turn. And for whatever reason, they weren't focusing on my Gideon. So I got Gideon's emblem out just to have a secondary backup so I can't lose the game as long as I control Gideon. Even if Lich's Mastery were to leave the field, you know, the Gideon emblem would say, nope, I can't lose the game. Um, So that's sort of your also secondary backup if you're not drawing whatever sweepers or removal that is in your deck. Um, Next, we've got two Karn Scion of Urza's. He's a forecasting cost planeswalker comes with five loyalty counters and is plus one reveal the top two cards of your library an opponent chooses one of them put that card into your hand and exile the other with a silver counter on it you his neg one is put a card you own with a silver counter on it from exile into your hand and his neg two which you're not going to really be using that often because you don't really have a lot of artifacts in your deck is create a zero zero colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control it could be useful if you just need a single blocker to maybe block one of your planeswalkers or protect you maybe it's a big creature doesn't have trample or anything like that Um, but most of the time you're going to be using the plus one and the minus one to not only help you draw through your deck but also get the cards that you exiled with karn into your hand so and last but not least for the Planeswalkers, we got my boy, Teferi, Hero of Dominaria. I run three copies of him. He's a three white and blue legendary Planeswalker, Teferi. And his plus one, he comes with four loyalty counters. His plus one draw card at the beginning of the next end step, untap two lands. Um, as soon as you play Teferi, you're most likely going to want to draw a card most of the time, unless you really need to get rid of a non-land permanent that your opponent controls for his neg three but you're going to be drawing a card and then you untap two cards or untap two lands i mean at the beginning of your next end step uh his neg three put target non-land permanent into its owner's library third from the top really good for removing something really pesky out there 
on your opponent's side. And as Neg 8, his ultimate, you get an emblem with whenever you draw a card, exile, target permanent, and opponent controls. Um, I've only been able to do this a handful of times while protecting Teferi. And then, you know, get the emblem, play Renewed Faith, draw six cards, and I'm going to exile six of your permanents right there. And most of the time, people are just going to scoot because you know, they know you're going to be drawing cards and um, just basically wiping out their board. So before we get into mana base, I've got two creatures that I run main board. Um, I would, these aren't the best creatures. These are just sort of beaters beater effects and they do go along with the lich's mastery the first one being lyra dawnbringer three and two white legendary creature angel who's a five five has flying first strike lifelink and other angels i control get plus one plus one and have lifelink so it's really good when you have lich's mastery out and you're swinging with lyra dawnbringer or you're blocking with lyra dawnbringer you gain the five life you draw five cards and you put it into your um graveyard i came really close in a game to almost milling myself out because i was drawing so many cards but then you gotta remember lich's mastery or getting the trials out if you mill yourself out you can't lose so hopefully you have a win con if that happens though hopefully your win cons aren't all in your graveyard because there's really no graveyard um there, there's no way to really get stuff back in your graveyard in this deck um, the other creature I run is the only change I've done to this deck since Dominaria, since M19's come out, and that's Resplendent Angel. It's one and two white angel creature. It's a 3-3 three, three with flying. At the beginning of each end step, if you gained five or more life this turn, create a 4-4 four, four white angel creature token with flying and vigilance. You can also pay three and three white until end of turn. Resplendent Angel gets plus two, plus two, and gains lifelink. So, you have Resplendent Angel and Lyra Dombringer out. You're going to be swinging for, even if you don't pump Resplendent Angel, you're going to be swinging for nine and drawing nine cards out of your deck. Uh, if you have Lich's Mastery out, by the way. Or if you just have Resplendent Angel out and you do Renewed Faith, whether you cycle it or play it, you're going to gain six life. And then you're also going to get another Angel out as well, too. So Resplendent Angel is really good for just pumping out those tokens because you are going to be gaining life in this deck. So... Let's get into the mana base here. The mana base here is I play four Concealed Courtyards, which is the white and black fast land, three Drowned Catacombs, which is the blue and black check land, two Forsaken Sanctuaries, just a white and black check land, uh, three Glacial Fortresses, which is the white and blue fast land, or check land, uh, one Ipnu Rivulet uh, is one of the deserts you can add. One colorless mana to your mana pool, you can pay one life to add blue to your mana pool, or you can pay one in a blue, sacrifice a desert, target player puts the top four cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So this is the one card that can allow you to trigger off revolt if you need to for fatal push, or it's also another really good card for if you're going to be taking some damage and you have Lich's Mastery out, and maybe your graveyard isn't that full, you can trigger this card to help you put some stuff in your graveyard that you can help sacrifice instead of sacrificing your lands or something like that uh we also play four isolated chapel which is the white and black check land and then we have one island six plains and two swamp dealing out 26 sources of mana right there um so that is the main board of the deck i'm going to quickly go over the sideboard and end it here 
Um, the sideboard is one authority of the consoles, which is a white enchantment. Creatures your opponent control enter the battlefield tap. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your opponent's control, you gain one life. Not only is that really good to play turn one against aggro decks to help slow you down and help you gain life, but gaining that life with Lich's Mastery out, you're just drawing a card as well too. Two cast down for some removal, one in a black instant, destroy target non-legendary creature. Uh, one more Fatal Push in case you're playing against an aggro deck that has a lot of low-costing creatures. Two Gideon's Intervention, two and two white enchantment. As Gideon's Intervention enters the battlefield, choose a card name. Your opponents can't cast spells with the chosen name. Prevent all damage that we dealt to you and permanents you control by sources with the chosen name. So something like that would be good against Walking Ballista or Goblin Chain Whirler or Hazard or whatever, whatever you need to name that your opponent's playing against. Um, one hour of glory for some more spot removal, three in a black instant, exile target creature. If that creature was a goddess, controller reveals his or her hand and exiles all cards from it with the same name as that creature. Uh, two lost legacy to help, you know, get rid of a problem card your, uh, opponent may play. One and two black sorcery, name a non-artifact, non-land card. Search target player's graveyard, hand, and library for any number of cards with that name and exile them. That player shuffles his or her library, then draws a card for each card exiled from hand this way. Four negate for some more counters. One in a blue counter target non-creature non spell. And then for some more creatures that you may need to just sort of help you, especially for some blockers, we've got two regal carousel, three and two white cat. Uh, three, three creatures, other cats you control get plus one, plus one and have lifelink. And when this creature enters battlefield, create two, one, one white cat creature tokens with lifelink. Um, so that's it for the sideboard there. Uh, some obvious changes I would make to the deck would be to probably add one more settle the wreckage and maybe one more Vraska's contempt, maybe going down to one to two fatal pushes in the main board maybe going down to three renewed faith instead um the reason why i'm only running two settle and two vraskas is because that's all i have on me and i didn't feel like spending money on getting more of those cards i mean i could it's just eh, I, I didn't really need it I, I pretty much built this deck for just all the cards that i already had with me um is it a fun deck? Yes, it is very fun. It's it's especially fun when you cast Lich's Mastery and your opponent's just confused and going, what? Um, <laughs> it, it is pretty funny. So a lot of things that I've learned with playing this deck is it's okay to have a slow start, especially if you're playing against aggro. Is If you have an opening hand and it may be slow, but you have maybe a Fumigate or uh, Settle the Wreckage in hand, you know, play it and then just wait. You know, and having a lot of cast outs, the cycle cards are what's going to really save you. So you can just help drawing and even having a thematic compass and opening hand is not bad because that's just going to help you thin out your deck. Um, the multiple planeswalkers have proven to be good. I've noticed I, I almost have to try to figure out which planeswalker is more of an MVP for me in this deck. Obviously, Teferi is the best one out of the three but getting to the trials has saved my butt so many times um just just being a beater when i have control of the board um the deck is slow so if you're not the fastest player um you may kind of want to avoid this deck here it is like I said, it's not the fastest if you are comfortable with the deck and you're comfortable playing control and you know the metagame inside and out and you know what to look for and what to remove and what to do then yeah play this deck um you will have some salty opponents because obviously whenever you play control you're bound to run into some salt 
Um, I've, I've run into it a few times and it, nothing bad or anything like that. Just more like, oh my gosh. And it was, it, it's always fun playing against a component when they see Lich's mastery and they're just wanting to just, I want to see how this plays out. I have no idea what you're doing. And it's just a lot of fun. Um, so that is Esper Lich Mastery Control. Like I, I got to give a shout out to, um, I think his name's Dan from Grand Prix Dallas, who basically gave me the idea for this. And yeah, so I hope you like the deck. And the link to the um, deck list will be in the show notes and in the video link below. Fuck it. Let's go. I already did one. Can do another. Hey everybody, and welcome to Magic Wazubi's Commander EDH Highlander, whatever you want to call it, deck tech. Uh, today I'm going to be discussing a new deck I just recently built, and it's probably a deck that a lot of people have seen, but this is going to be my take on it. And this is part of that, what is it, 32 or 36 color challenge of where you build one EDH deck of every color combination. So this is the mono black uh, zombie EDH deck that I have built and my commander of choice which was voted by you my Twitter followers and my listeners of ghoul caller Gisa and that is my commander of choice actually not my choice but your guys's choice and um, if you don't remember what ghoul caller Gisa does ghoul caller Gisa is a three and two black legendary creature human wizard not a zombie but you know she does some zombie things um, who's a 3-4, you can pay one black tap, sack another creature, put X-2-2 two, two zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield, where X is a sacrifice creature's power. So let's say all you have are zombie tokens out on the field, you get Ghoulcaller Geese out, I'm gonna sack one of my 2-2 two, two zombie creature tokens. And then you get two 2-2 two, two zombie creature tokens. So, you know, you just keep multiplying. I, I love cards like that, like Ghoulcaller Geese, Cranko, Rise of the Redeemed. And um, so I decided to build a zombie deck because I've always liked the thought of, all right, well, you put stuff in your graveyard and it's just going to come back and zombies sort of are perfect for that kind of style. So we're going to go over the enchantments, the instants, the sorceries, artifacts, planeswalkers, and then finally creatures. And then last but kind of not least lands. Um, this is sort of a budget ish build. Um, when I look at the actual cost of that, it's about $300. I mean, that's not very budget, but when it comes, you'll, and yeah, actually, yeah, it's not very budget at all. 300 bucks. That's not budget, but, um, there's definitely budget pieces in it. There's definitely a lot of improvements this deck can take, but you'll just have to wait and see. So let's go over enchantments here. Our enchantments at first is bad moon because there's a bad moon horizon, uh, one in a black enchantment. Black creatures get plus one, plus one. Uh, just another sort of way to pump up those zombies and other black creatures you will have out in play. Uh, we've also got black market for three and two black enchantment. Whenever a creature dies, put a charge counter on black market. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, add black to your mana pool or swamp to your mana pool for each charge counter on black market. Um, so with the sack effects that are in this deck, you're, and if you have black market out, you're just going to keep putting charge counters on this and just adding more black to your mana pool. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. It's always good. There, there are, and there are other ways to be able to get a lot of mana quickly out too. Um, call to the grave four in a black enchantment at the beginning of each player's upkeep. That player sacrifices a non-zombie creature. At the beginning of the end step, if no creatures are on the battlefield, sacrifice call to the grave. So 
For you, it's good because more than likely you're going to have zombie creatures out so you don't have to sacrifice anything as long as you have no a non or as long as you have all zombie creatures out, I should say. But your your opponents, they may not have non-zombie creatures. They may have um, you know, goblins or dragons or cats or, you know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh no. Um, you know, what whatever have you. So it's a really good card just to sort of um you know, get your opponents to, um, they got to sack something, especially if, especially if they're playing Eldrazi. Screw that noise. Um, we've got Dictate of Erebos, three and two black enchantment flash. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent sacrifices a creature. So not only are there a lot of sack effects in this deck here, with this out in play, you're going to make your opponents sack their own creatures. So mm, it's pretty good if you have to ask me. can't believe this is shot up in price. This used to be like a, not even a dollar card. Um, we've got Graph Harvest, which is a one black enchantment. Uh, this is almost a must for this deck, and thank God it's so cheap. Zombies you control have Menace. We're a zombie tribal deck, so you're going to have zombies out, and having Menace is awesome because that means they can't be blocked except by two or more creatures. You can pay three and a black, exile a creature card from your graveyard, put a 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. Uh, Liliana's Mastery. Th this is another must in the deck. It's a three and two black enchantment. Zombies you control get plus one plus one. And when this enters the battlefield, create two, 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 two black zombie creature tokens. Uh, open the graves. Uh, a new card from M19. Three and two black enchantment. Whenever a non-token creature you control dies, create a two, two black zombie creature token. Just another token enabler there. Uh, Phyrexian Arena. One of my favorite cards just in any kind of EDH deck, if I'm playing black, I'm most likely going to have this card in this deck. Uh, one and two black enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep, you draw a card and you lose a life. You're playing black anyway. Life isn't that, you know, important anyway, because you're, w w what's black's motto? It's, you know, power when you sacrifice anything for power, right? Something like that. I don't know. I'm not a... I'm not that well-versed in the color pie, um, or at least the meanings behind it. So that is it for the enchantments, eight enchantments. Um, when I was first going through the deck, I had so many more enchantments, but I had to cut them because I needed to make room for more creatures because um, my creature count was very low at first. It was like 15 creatures, but I, I bumped it up. Um, so let's move on to instants here. We've got some pretty good instants. We've got Doomblade, one in a black instant destroy target non-black creature. Uh, we've got Empty the Pits, which I wish this saw play in Standard, because I really like this card back in Konzatark here. You've, it's double X and four black. I mean, right there, the mana cost is insane. Um, and it has Delve. Uh, for each card you exile from your graveyard while casting the spell, pays for one. Uh, put X 2-2 two, two black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield tapped. So... This card is better in this kind of deck because you, we do have ways of generating a lot of mana um, and then just pumping out tokens like that. And it's 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 good. It's good in this kind of deck. Unfortunately, never saw a home in standard. And I did like this deck. I love the art on it, too. I, I love Delve. All right. One of my favorite decks that I play in modern is Grixis Delver. Uh, we've got then we've got go for the throat. One in a black instant destroy target non artifact creature. We've got Murder, because what's a black deck without some murdering? Uh, one and two black instant destroy target creature. 
then we've got tragic slip one black target creature gets neg one neg one until end of turn morbid that creature gets neg 13 neg 13 until end of turn instead if a creature died this turn so say your opponent is playing the emrakul promised end and you know they take your turn or whatever then you draw a tragic slip and you're gonna sack one of your creatures and then you're gonna make 13 make 13 that emrakul promise end because screw you emrakul promise end i don't like you even though i play you um then we've got victim of night a double black instant destroy target non-vampire non-werewolf non-zombie creature so yeah there, there is a lot of spot removal in this and you know sometimes you're gonna need that spot removal sometimes um, then let's go on to sorceries here. Uh, we've got Ancient Craving, three and a black sorcery. You draw three cards and you lose three life. You know, drawing drawing cards, you know, what more can you say? You need to draw cards sometimes. Um, Army of the Damned, five and three black sorcery. Create 13 tap, two, two black zombie creature tokens. And you can flash back it in for seven and three black to create 13 more tap 2-2 black zombie creature tokens. That's not a lot of mana for this kind of deck because, like I said, you can generate a lot of mana quickly um, as long as you get the right cards out. So, you know, create your own little mini army right there. Uh, cemetery Recruitment, one and a black sorcery. Return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. If it's a zombie card, draw a card. So it also acts as a way of returning a card that you may need from the graveyard, a good zombie creature. And hopefully it is a zombie card, so you can just draw a card too. So not bad. Uh, Dark Salvation, double X and a black sorcery. Target player puts X, two, two black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield. Then up to one target creature gets an egg one, neg one until end of turn for each zombie that player controls. So not only is it helping you pump up your board, but can also be used as a good spot removal as well too for a pesky creature out there. Uh, Diabolic Tutor, two and two black sorcery. Search your library for a card, put that card in your hand, then shuffle your library. So this is a budget piece. I don't have um, Demonic or Vampiric Tutor. Um, I don't have any of those cards, unfortunately. I've just been, it's been more laziness than anything about buying them. So, and there you go. Uh, then we have Dread Return, two and two black. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, to the battlefield this time. It's also flashback, sack three creatures, and then you can cast that card again. Um, you know, <laughs> sacking three creatures, oh, I'm just going to sack three tokens. Doesn't matter that much anyway. And you get another creature card back to the battlefield. Dread Summons, X and do two black, sorcery. Each player puts the top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. For each creature card put into a graveyard this way, you create a tapped 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token. So that's not bad. Um, you know, it's, it's a good way to mill some of your opponents, even though mill is not the goal of this or anything, but it's the goal of hopefully you create some zombie tokens as well. Um, in Garuk's Wake, 7 and 2 black, um, sorcery, destroy all creatures you don't control and all planeswalkers you don't control. Yes, it is an expensive board wipe. I love this board wipe, by the way. And um, I, I love the promo art for the M15 one. And it is expensive, but with the way that you can just generate a lot of mana, it's not as bad as you think. Uh, read the Bones, uh, 2 and black sorcery, scry 2, then draw 2 cards, you lose 2 life. Just a good draw spell. Uh, rise from the grave. Oh no, why isn't the art showing? It's not, I don't know. Okay, it's a sorcery. Put target creature card in a graveyard onto the battlefield you control under under your control. 
that creature is a black zombie in addition to its other colors and types. So you can use that to um, take a creature card that's really strong from another graveyard or from an opponent and put it under your control there. Uh, then we've got Sign of Blood. Oh no, why are the pictures not showing up for me now? No, why are you breaking for me? <laughs> I'm sorry about this. Uh, it's a sorcery. Target player draws two cards and loses two life. Like, read the bones, but not as good. Uh, Siphon Mine. Okay, why is this doing to the, to me now? Yeah, you know, this is... Uh, oh, God. And this is getting to be a pain in the butt now. It's just not one to show any of these. Okay, I am very sorry for this. You know, a typical person would cut and re-edit this, but I'm not those kind of typical people. Uh, Siphon Mine, three and a black... Each other player discards a card. You draw a card for each card discarded this way. So just another draw spell. It's also good for when your opponents discard some stuff too. You know, help them discard something. Most likely they're going to discard a land, but you know, whatever. Um, next we have Victimize. Two and a black sorcery. Choose two target creature cards in your graveyard. Sack a creature. If you do, return the chosen cards to the battlefield tap. You know, who cares about sacking a card? You're going to be able to get that creature back anyway. Hopefully, as long as your opponents don't bajuka bog you or anything like that. And then finally, for sorceries, you've got we've got Yogmoth's Vile offering four and a black legendary sorcery. Put up to one target creature or planeswalker card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Destroy up to one target creature or planeswalker. Exile Yogmoth's Vile offering. So another way to get one of the planeswalkers or a really good creature from your graveyard onto the battlefield. Um, Love it. Next, we are going to move on to artifacts here. Uh, we've got Bantu's Monument, a three-costing artifact. Black creature spells you cast cost one less to cast. When you cast a creature spell, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Just a good way to make uh, creatures cost a little bit cheaper. We've got Gilded Lotus, uh, five ca casting costs. You add three mana of any one color. Um, again, just another way to just generate some mana. Of course, we've got Soul Ring, a one cost, add two mana to your mana pool. Do I need to explain this? Uh, Swift Foot Boots, uh, two cost equipment. Uh, equipped creature has Hexproof and Haste. You pay one to equip it. Not as good as Lightning Greaves, but I ran out of Lightning Greaves, so this is a budget piece here. Uh, Vanquisher's Banner, uh, one of my favorite cards from Ixalan, to be honest. It really is. Um, it's a five casting cost as Van Vanquisher's Banner enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Obviously, you're going to choose zombies. Creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one. Whenever you cast a creature spell, their chosen type, draw a card. I love it. Not as good as Coat of Arms, but, and it's more expensive than Coat of Arms, but this is a really good budget piece, too, if you can't afford those Coat of Arms. And plus, Coat of Arms does affect your opponent's boards, too. Sometimes you don't always want that. Uh, then last for artifacts, we've got Whip of Erebos. Two and two black legendary enchantment artifact. Creatures you control have lifelink. Uh, two and two black return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. If it would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. Activate this ability anytime you could cast a sorcery. So again, another way to maybe generate some value. Maybe you want to get back a really good creature uh, maybe Grave Titan or something like that, and get you, you use Whip to return them, and then just to return some more stuff too with Grave Titan. Um, it does suck that you have to exile it, exile it at the end of turn, but hey, it's a uh, you sacrifice, you know, 
something to gain power, right? This is Black's motto. Um, let's move. That is it for artifacts. Let's move on to Planeswalkers now. Uh, Planeswalkers, we've got Liliana's Death's Majesty, three and two black, uh, with five loyalty. Her plus one is create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Uh, her neg three is return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature is a black zombie in addition to its other colors and types. Uh, yeah, that's not bad. Uh, you know, pretty much we all play zombies, so and it's just another way of getting a creature back. And her ultimate is... An egg seven, destroy all non-zombie creatures. And you'll be able to get that in three turns. You know, so not bad at all. Uh, Liliana of the Dark Realms, two and two black. Uh, her, comes out with three loyalty. Her plus one, search your library for a swamp card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. Her neg three is target creature gets plus X, plus X, or minus X, minus X until end of turn. Where X is the number of swamps you control. So some good spot removal or some good spot pumpage, right? Um, and her ultimate is the one that you know I would really definitely try and shoot for. Her neg six, you get an emblem with swamps you control, have tap, add four swamps to your mana pool. Um, <laughs> we're playing a lot of swamps here, so that's going to be super beneficial to you. Obviously, you're going to want to try to get her ultimate. The spot removal is good if you don't have any other ways of getting rid of a pesky creature, but definitely that emblem is what you're going to want at a Liliana of the Dark Realms. Next, we've got Liliana, the Last Hope, one and th one and two black, uh, has three loyalty coming out. Uh, up to one target creature gets neg two, neg one until your next turn. You know, not bad. Uh, her neg two put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Then you may return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Also, again, not bad. You know, just you know, recurring stuff out of your graveyard. And then her ultimate neg seven, you get an emblem with at the beginning of your end step. Put X two two black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield where X is two plus the number of zombies you control. So obviously you're going to want to try to go for her ultimate as well. So you can just keep pumping out zombies. Even if they keep board wiping your board, you're going to be getting zombies at the end of your turn every single turn without question. And then last but not least is good old Liliana Vess. Three and two black planeswalker. Target her comes out with five loyalty. Her plus one. Target player discards a card. Uh, her neg two. Search your library for a card. Then shuffle your library. Put that card on top of it. So a sort of pseudo diabolic tutor, demonic tutor, uh, but you know without putting it into your hand. Um, and then her ultimate neg eight. Put all creature cards from all graveyards on the battlefield under your control. Obviously, you're going to want to try to go for that as well too. And that, that's pretty much almost game over for all your opponents unless they have a board wipe and or a cyclonic rift because that would just really suck. But so that is it for the Planeswalker. So let's get into the good old meat and potatoes of the deck, which I like to refer to as the creatures. Uh, first on our list, we've got Carrion Feeder, a one black zombie one one. Carrion Feeder can't block, but you can sack a creature and put a one one counter on Carrion Feeder. Obviously, you're going to be generating a lot of zombie tokens, so this creature will inevitably get stronger and bigger as the game goes on. Uh, we've got Cemetery Reaper, 1 and 2 black, zombie, 2-2. Two, two, it's a zombie lord. Other zombie creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1. You can pay 2 and a black and exile target creature card from a graveyard. Put a 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. So your typical zombie lord with a benefit of 
being able to generate a black zombie creature token if you need if you can exile a card that eh, you don't really need it back right we've got corpse auger three and a black zombie wizard four two when corpse auger dies you draw x cards and you lose x life where x is the number of creature cards and target players graveyard so you want to be careful with this one right you don't want to target someone who may have 15 creature cards in their graveyard and you're gonna you're gonna draw 15 cards but you're just gonna lose 15 life so you really gotta balance it out on all right what graveyard do i want to choose and how much life is worth losing when this card inevitably dies as well next we've got one of my favorite zombies crit breaker a one casting cost one 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 in a black you tap discard a card put a two two black zombie creature token on the battlefield but that's not the best effect there you can also tap three untapped zombies you control you draw a card and you lose a life you're obviously going to have plenty of zombies to tap and keep drawing cards so i mean <laughs> yeah it's good right obviously your opponents are going to want to get rid of crit breaker as soon as possible if they don't then they're making a huge mistake right there next we've got the reprint from m19 death baron one and two black zombie wizard two two another lord skeletons and zombies you control get plus one plus one and have death touch uh, next we've got diagraph colossus two and a black two two zombie giant uh, this enters a battlefield with a 1-1 counter on it for each zombie card in your graveyard. Whenever you cast a zombie spell, put a 2-2 black zombie creature token onto the battlefield tap. You're going to be casting a lot of zombie spells, and you're obviously going to be getting some extra tokens out of that as well. Next, we've got Erebos, God of the Dead, who's a enchantment creature god, 5-7, 3 and a black. Has indestructible, as long as your devotion to black is less than 5, Erebos isn't a creature. Your opponents can't gain life. And you can also pay one in a black to pay two life and draw a card. So the gaining life is important. And also the drawing the card part is very important as well too. Grave Titan. Four and two black giant six six. It's not a zombie. But when this enters the battlefield or attacks. You put two 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 black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield. Always good to have. Graveyard Marshal, a new card from M19, double black zombie soldier 3-2. You can pay two and a black exile creature card from your graveyard, create a tap 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token. You see the you see the theme here? We're creating a lot of tokens here and a lot of zombies that are just going to keep coming back to mess with your opponent's life. One of my favorite cards. Um, this was what, Theros, I want to say, originally? Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is Theros. Gray Merchant of Asphodel, or AKA Gary. Three and a black, three and two black, I should say. When Gray Merchant of Asphodel enters the battlefield, each opponent loses X life, where X is your devotion to black. You gain life equal to the life lost this way. So obviously, you're going to have a lot of black devotion, right? And you're going to be making some opponents lose a lot of life sometimes. And you're going to be gaining a lot of life sometimes. So. Don't discount this card. Yes, it's not the best zombie, but it is a very fun zombie. Um, next, we've got Liliana's brother, Josu Vess, Lich Knight. Two and two black legendary creature zombie knight. Has kicker of five and a black menace. It's a four five. When Josu Vess, Lich Knight, enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, create, if it was kicked, create eight two two black zombie knight creature tokens with menace. So these aren't just regular two two zombie creature tokens they're zombie knight creature tokens so make sure if you are building this deck you differ you differ between the two kind of token cards you have your regular 2-2 zombie creatures and then you got your 2-2 zombie knight creatures so just keep that in mind there 
Next, we've got Kalidus Traitor of Get. Two and two black legendary creature vampire warrior. Oh, vampire. All right. Hmm. That's weird. Three, four with lifelink. If a non-token creature an opponent controls would die, instead exile that card and put a two, two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. You can pay two and a black, sack another vampire or zombie, put two one, one counters on Kalidus Traitor of Get. Yes, it's a vampire. Mm, feels like it shouldn't go in with a zombie deck, right? But since it can basically create zombie tokens, it has a home in this as well. And plus, I love this card, Kalidus. Uh, next, we've got Liliana, Heretical Healer. Oh, I forgot to put her under the, the Planeswalker. So it's the Flip Planeswalker, Liliana. One and two black, uh, Human Cleric, two, three, lifelink. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, exile Liliana, Heretical Healer, then return her to the battlefield, transform under her owner's control. If you do, put a 2-2 black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. And then her flip side is Liliana, Defiant Necromancer. She comes with three loyalty counters and plus two. Each player discards a card. Neg X. Return target non-legendary creature card with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. And her neg 8, you get an emblem with whenever a creature dies, return it to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. So, pretty good. Pretty good. Not the best Liliana Planeswalker, but still pretty good. Uh, Lord of the Accursed, 2 and a black, 2, 3, Zombie Lord. And then you can pay 1 and a black and give your zombies menace. Nothing wrong with that. Metallic Mimic. Two casting cost, shapeshifter, two one. As Metallic Mimic enters the battlefield, choose a creature card. Metallic Mimic is the chosen type in addition to its other types. Each other creature you control, the chosen type, enters the battlefield with an additional one one counter on it. Pretty good, pretty good lord. It, well, it's not really a lord, but they get a counter on it, though. Um, Nantuko Husk. Two and a black, zombie insect, two, two. You sack a creature, and Tuco Husk gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Maybe you've got a lot of zombies attacking, or maybe you've just got a lot of zombies, period. You just swing with an Tuco Husk, and you want to sack enough zombies to um, maybe just kill someone quickly, right? Um, then we've got Noose Graph Mob, four and two black zombie, uh, zero, zero, but it enters a battlefield with five one one counters on it. Whenever a player casts a spell, remove a one one counter from Newscraft Mob, if you do, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. So you're going to essentially make five 2-2 zombie creature tokens, hopefully. Um, next, we got Plague Belcher. Two and a black zombie beast, 5-4 menace. When Plague Belcher enters the battlefield, put two neg-1, neg-1 counters on target creature you control. Whenever another zombie you control dies, each opponent loses one life. Plague Bearer, one and a black, 1-1. One, one. This is from, oh god, Exodus, right? Double uh, X black destroy target non-black creature with total casting cost equal to X. So some good spot removal there. And I love the disgusting art on it as well too. Uh, then we've got Raving Dead four and a black zombie two six death touch at the beginning of combat on your turn. Choose an opponent at random. Raving Dead attacks that player this combat if able. Whenever Raving Dead deals combat damage to a player, that player loses half of his or her life rounded down. You're dealing two damage to someone, and oh, they're at 40 life. Uh, they're down to 20 life now. Boom. There you go. I like you, Raven Den. You're pretty good. Uh, Soul of Innistrad, 4 and 2 black, Avatar, 6-6, six, six, has death touch. 
You can pay three and two black, return up to three target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand, or you can pay another three and two black, exile Soul of Innistrad from your graveyard, return up to three target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. So even if it's in the graveyard, boom, you can still activate that second ability, and it's a win-win for you, right? Uh, next, we've got Unbreathing Horde, two and a black, Zombie, zero, zero. Enters, this enters the battlefield with one, one counter on it for each other zombie you control and each zombie card in your graveyard. If Unbreathing Horde would be dealt damage, prevent that damage and remove a 1-1 counter from it. Vengeful Dead, 3 and a black, 3-2 zombie. Whenever Vengeful Dead or another zombie is put into a graveyard from play, each opponent loses one life. I like that card because you're going to have a lot of zombies going to the graveyard. And Zulaport Cutthroat, last but not least, 1 and a black, 1-1 human rogue ally. And it's not a zombie, right? But whenever Zulaport Cutthroat or another creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. You're going to be sacking a lot of creatures. So why not have something like this to just help you get your opponent's life down slowly one by one? All right. So that is all the creatures. And let's quickly go over the lands. A lot of these lands are budget pieces except for one, I think. Um, holy shit, that has shot up in price. Uh, we've got Bajuka Bog, which it enters the battlefield tapped. And when Bajukabog enters the battlefield, exile all cards from target player's graveyard. You just add Swamp to your mana pool. Cabal Stronghold from Dominaria. You can tap to add Colorless, or you can pay three and add black for each basic swamp you control. And you're going to have a lot of basic swamps. There's 30 swamps in this deck. Excuse me, I don't know why I'm getting hiccups all of a sudden. Um, Crypt of Agadim. Uh, it enters the battlefield tab. You can tap to add black to your mana pool, or you can pay two to add black to your mana pool for each black creature card in your graveyard, and you may have a lot. So that's another way to generate a lot of mana for you. Mortuary Mire uh, enters the battlefield tab. When it enters the battlefield, you may put target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. So another way to just get some recursion out of your deck there. Uh, Polluted Mire, it's a basic black cycle land in case you just need to draw some cards. Reliquary Tower, there may come a time where you may have more than seven cards in your hand and you don't want to discard them sometimes. Uh, and then last but certainly not least is the only non-budget land in this deck and it's because I've had it since I was a kid. And that's Volrash Stronghold from the Stronghold, um, Stronghold set. Uh, add one colorless mana to your mana pool. You can pay one and a black. Put target creature card from your library on, from your graveyard on top of your library. And this is running about sixty bucks now. Holy shit! Um, damn, that's gone up in price. So that is Ghoul Color Geese's Zombie Horde EDH deck tech. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, the deck is pretty fun, but like most other token decks, it's very um, susceptible to board wipes but the thing with this kind of deck is you can just quickly build back up right um especially with ghoul collar geese out and then with ways of just generating a lot of mana hopefully your zombie horde can just keep attacking your opponents and just relentlessly keep going after them and not being stopped for anything or anybody so i hope you enjoyed the deck tech um the deck will be in the show notes and in the YouTube link below. All right, well, I would like to thank you all for listening to today's show and really hope you enjoyed it. And hopefully by the time you're listening to this, you're already seeing me at Grand Prix Orlando if you're going to come and meet me and hang out. Um, so just want to thank you all for listening. And if you want to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Um, You know, you can check that out. Um, you can like, subscribe, and 
Uh, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Uh, look at the YouTube channel, Magic with Zuby, and check it out there. So have a great night, everybody, okay?